Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to Ermia Matters, a podcast about higher education, risk management, and insurance. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I'm Julie Groves, the Director of Risk Services at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I'll be your host for Ermia Matters. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Nancy Scott, who is the Leadership Development Programs Director for the Haslam College of Business Executive Degree Programs at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Welcome to the podcast, Nancy. Thank you, Julie. I'm so glad you're here. I just I just shared your really long title with everyone. But before we start, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you ended up where you are today? Oh, Julie, I love the question because it really connects to what we're coming to talk about this afternoon, because my story is connected to sort of managing up. I went to the University of Tennessee for graduate school, and when I was there, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to work in an assessment center. And what that method does is it presents a battery of tests to people, maybe like a personality assessment and a simulation. And, and we would, I, as part of my role, I would be a role player and I would write feedback reports. And about 15 years ago, I was in that role and I, I told my boss at the time, you've got my dream job. And about 10 years later, she gives me a call and says, is that still your dreams job? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so I relocated from Boston to Tennessee to enter my position as leadership development programs director. And I've have been here for about five, four years now. And I, long story short, I help executives, working professionals and early career folks, including undergraduates, get better by focusing on their leadership development and their interpersonal skills. Wow, that's well, that sounds very interesting. And you were actually a part of Ermia's virtual spring conference. And you did an excellent session on April 8th. And you talked about getting the most out of your performance tips for managing up. So for our listeners, if you didn't get a chance to attend that session, be sure to take a look at it. There is a link to the presentation in the show notes for today's podcast. So you should be able to find that pretty easily. And I uh, attended that session, Dr. Scott, and I thought it was very, very interesting. And traditionally, there is a huge amount of focus on supervisors and how they can better manage their people. And there are all these courses for supervisors and management and how to deal with employees. But I think it's so interesting that, you know, a lot of what you share is from the point of view of the employee to the supervisor. So can you tell us how you started looking at issues in that way? Julie, I love that perspective on my on where I focus, because you're absolutely right. And I would think that maybe it's a sort of like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, always the employee, never the boss. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I realized though that there was a lot of opportunity to still exercise leadership in my roles. And when we really look at the numbers, there's so many more employees than there are managers. And so it becomes very important for us to manage our own careers and manage expectations the best we can from our roles. And so that's what got me interested in it. And I guess for, for managers, it's important that they're trained the correct way because I 
I suppose there could be a lot more HR liability issues with managers who aren't trained well. But for employees, for the for the worker bees, you know, you know, it's great that there's someone like you who's who's helping us sort of learn how we can manage up help us with our relationships with our uh, managers. And so that's the th- one of the things I really appreciated about your presentation in April. So, you know, as as we move through this pandemic, things have been, you know, difficult in a number of areas. And, and so as people have been working from home and trying to manage their jobs and their, you know, their lives in the pandemic, you know, we've come into situations where an employee will have to, um, deliver some difficult news to their supervisor. And so can you talk a little bit about how this skill has been become really, really important, particularly through the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and I also think that there's so many things that currently due to the pandemic, we have to negotiate for some of us now going back, it might be work-life balance or the amount of time we work in the office. And so I definitely think that the pandemic has accelerated the need for us to be stewards of our own careers. And especially giving bad news, I think that the pandemic complicates it due to the virtual piece. But in certain ways, I can see how it makes it slightly easier. You know, this re- relatively easy to set up a Zoom now. And, right. and so those kind of things can still help us deliver bad news in, pub- in person. You know, I think the complicating factor is with us not being in person, it becomes even harder for our bosses to be aware of what's really on our plate. And so I think that that really makes it even more necessary that we enhance our communication with our boss. And unfortunately, sometimes that does mean we have to give them bad news. And there when we do that, you know, there's some helpful tips, I definitely think, that play well, especially face to face, but also would work virtually. Do you think it's easier to give bad news on Zoom? <laughs> oh, what a question. I I don't know. I kind of feel like it might be easier than doing it in person, but I haven't really had I mean, I've sort of had to do that, but I don't know. What what is your what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I would say is our camera on or is our camera <laughs> yeah, off? Cam- it's only you and one other person <laughs> and your camera's on. So what do you think? Is it easier or harder? Oh, uh, to me, in that case, it's about the same, you mm-hmm. know, and I think our tips are, are, are absolutely relevant there. You know, we need to be clear and timely uh, with our communication. I think one of the worst things that could happen is that our boss gets the bad news through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. the, with the p- folks working from home, it's a little harder for the grapevine communication to flow through it. But I do think that, you know, we've, it's still equally as challenging. And, but I would still recommend that. I, frankly, my friend, if I'm given bad news over Zoom, I'd want my camera on. Um, yeah, we definitely. Versus, yeah. Definitely. But with my camera off, I might say say it in a harsher way or right, right. differently. But I do think that we would need to still have that personal component so that we could read the room and the, the emotional responses uh, to the news that we're providing. Mm-hmm. Even though while when we're giving bad news in particular, we want to make sure that we perhaps don't let our emotions take control. So I, I think that being in person sort of helps us temper that uh, the same way that our camera might, but that ultimately, I mean, we really want to be, when we're giving bad news, we really want our boss to make that judgment Mm -hmm. of how terrible this news is. Mm -hmm. But I think that we also want to be a problem solver for our boss. So it's not just, hey, here's the bad news. 
Hmm. It's here's the bad news. Is this a good time to talk about a possible solution? Because I've got three. Hmm. Right. And sometimes our boss might tell us, no, Nancy, you know, let me let me have a minute to think. And then let's talk about how we're going to come out of this this situation. Other times we might be given the solution right there in the moment. But I think that being solution focused, keeping our cameras on will be good, good, helpful tips and making sure I think the the element of Zoom in the virtual space, sort of the first piece of giving bad news is making sure this is a good time for our boss. And when we're in person, I might be the first person to run upstairs and give my boss bad news because his door is open and I assume it's a great time for him. And it might not be. Where a Zoom meeting, we can schedule that in advance and that can really be a good primer. And like you led it with, you know, one-on-one conversation, you know, over Zoom would be a, g- a good way to deliver that bad news. Well, for those of us who work in the insurance industry, it's been a hard year because the insurance the insurance market has been really difficult. And so a lot of us have already had to deliver bad news this year. And uh, so I think you've already mentioned some of these things. But for those of us who still have bad news to deliver, or for the future, do you have any suggestions that might make that task easier, whether it's on, you know, Zoom or in person? Oh, absolutely. I, I think the first one would be our timeliness. You know, again, we can't let our boss be the last person to find out. We also can't make the assumption that our boss knows everything. You know, we've got to remember that our boss is you know, focusing on his or her work. And so sometimes we might even, we've got to make sure it's a good time. Um, we've got to be timely, but we've got to provide a little background. You know, my boss in particular, just to go back and use him as an example, he doesn't know the name of every program I'm involved in. And so sometimes I might have to simply say, hey, Jonathan, I've got some bad news about program Y. Give him a second to breathe and ask him, do you remember program Y or should I get you back up to speed? And then once Jonathan's up to speed on program Y, I can talk about, well, here's the issue that happened. Now, this has happened with the client or the timing or et cetera. And so let him provide that background to him, be clear and fact-based with the issue. And I think probably the best tip, again, goes back to providing a solution, not just the problem. You know, if we don't provide that solution, we're sort of just adding another problem to our boss's plate. And in the long term of how that plays out over the course of our career, we're not showing high level initiative. We're not showing problem solving skills. We're showing that here's a problem, you fix it. And so I'm really I'm a big advocate for offering solutions along with the bad news. Do you think it's helpful to send a, an email ahead of time with, with maybe some important information about what you're going to talk about so that the, the person you're telling this to has some time to digest it? I absolutely do. I, I think that's a very effective way to do it, especially over the virtual space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that really, Julie, that gets back to that making sure it's a good time for your boss and making sure that they've got the relevant info. And frankly, my friend, you do something like that, and it's very likely the conversation with your boss is a lot of joint solution creation during your meeting, not the whiny, here's the problem we're facing. Mm-hmm. That's what I've, I've found. It takes a little bit of the edge off if you kind of prepare them ahead by trying to give them an e- send them an email with a little bit of information so you're not taking them totally by surprise. So, Absolutely. Um, Julie, can I add, can I add something else yeah. if you don't mind? Yes, you may. The other, no, the other reason that's such a great tip 
is because we think, you know, to be good at managing up, we need to be self-aware, but we also need to be aware of our boss and their expectations, their preferences, and even their personality. And to, if we think about introversion versus extroversion and how people process information, if our boss is an introvert, Julie, your tip is amazing. That's exactly what they're going to need. Virtual space or in person is that extra processing time so they don't feel like they're on the spot. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's helpful, too, if the person delivering the news is an introvert, because it helps them because I am sort of introverted. So it helps me lay everything out to them. And that way I have my thoughts all in line and I can give them all the points. And then it's easier for us to discuss it in person later on. So I think that's an excellent point about introversion versus extroversion, because those extroverts, you know, they, they haven't made the introverts. Sometimes we have to work a little bit harder <laughs> to, to make things happen. So let's talk a little bit about being successful in communicating your own story or being able to promote your department story. Why, why is that so important? Oh, my gosh. It is so important because no one else is the expert of our job the way that we are. You know? I mean, our boss isn't, our boss's boss sure as heck isn't, and anyone outside of that probably doesn't know too much about what we do at all. And so I think having a well-prepared and practiced sort of script about, hey, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is how I contribute to my organization, and, and practice artic- you know, sharing that, um, that script And then, you know, the more you practice that, the basic piece, you know, this is what I do, you can expand that to talk about here's, you know, here's what this project does. And this is what our organization's mission, vision and values is. So I think that there's a, there's an, an element of preparation and practice in sharing our stories. But we do know that sharing stories is so important. You know, stories are often much more memorable anyways, um, versus just traditional forms of communication. And so having a story of who we are, what we're about, what we need, how we contribute, and how we can help, I think are great tips for all of us at any level. So an elevator speech of sorts would be helpful for us Mm -hmm. to to have. And, you know, some of us, I think, may already have that in a way because a lot of us have to explain what we do. Because when you say you're a risk manager, people don't really understand what that means. So being able to have an elevator speech about what you do is is for many of us a a part of our everyday lives. So I think that's that's really important. So I want to move to something I think is very interesting about your work. You a lot of your work is focused on humor in the workplace. And for me personally, I think humor is an essential part of the workplace because humor is an essential part of my personality. Uh, so tell me, why why do you think humor is so important in the workplace? Well, I would echo that it's also pretty essential to mine. And that's how I got into the research stream. I'm probably going to share too much, so cut it out if you want. But when I was in graduate school, I really struggled with research. I realized I loved to teach and I realized that I wanted to make sure that my research was very applicable. And so I also had this belief and still have it to this. We don't divorce ourselves when we come to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that some folks, it's a lot easier to maybe compartmentalize. But overall, we're still human. And we have we, some of the same stresses and successes that we have in our personal life. We face it, 
diversion in their professional world. And so humor really helped if they, if it, I, and I'm a firm believer, I mean, it helps us get through stress. It helps us in physical recovery. It helps us reduce conflict interpersonally. And, and so due to the numerous benefits that, that humor has, I realized that for me, I love to laugh. 20, you know, every context I'm in. And so that really got me. I knew that if I was going to get my research done, I had to do something I loved and that was meaningful. And so I enter humor and I saw this theme where everyone focused on the leader's humor, you know, and that makes total sense, right? The leader sets the climate for the organization, but we go back to the power and numbers and there are more subordinates than leaders. And so I wanted to know how does subordinate humor impact relationship quality with leaders. And turns out it does. And, and from that element of research, I realized that even more so, we shouldn't divorce ourselves from work. Perhaps we temper, though, our humor and use our emotional and social intelligence to use the right kind of humor at the right time. So do managers who have employees who use humor, does it help them to feel more comfortable with one another? Or what are the what are the ben- some of the benefits of having a, a subordinate with, with with a sense of humor? It does. Yes, the humor has a lot of benefits. It, it helps us primarily build credible professional relationships that have are high in professional respect and, and liking. And so we, there's that element of, again, that people piece that not everything about work is task. And so humor, although friends, humor helps with the task piece under times of stress, a light joke can build a lot of team cohesion. A light joke for a moment can help us relieve some stress, you know, some self-deprecation. When I'm struggling with a project, I can make a quick joke, breathe go back at it. And so there's some interpersonal benefits to humor. And there's also the within us benefits. And I definitely don't want to discount those. We can even use humor to, to again, fluff off mistakes. Please hope that doesn't mean we don't learn from them. But it means that it's a good way for us to reduce the stress that we put on ourselves about being perfect. But yes, the humor, I think is very important. It's not more important than your performance. That's definitely not the message I want anyone to take away. But I there, I have my research does show that there is a correlation between uh, subordinate use of, in particular, affiliative humor, the type of humor that's meant to bring people together, that doesn't poke fun at one person, that could not be misconstrued as bullying, that isn't even too self-deprecating to make us look bad. It makes me think of, uh, was that Rodney Dangerfield back in the day who, whose big humor stream was, I, I'm an ugly baby. You know, well, too much of that, especially in the workplace, can cause some concern and it makes people feel like, oh, is that person credible enough? And so we do need to have a good eye for our situation and make sure that in the workplace we're using humor that's meant to build a bond amongst the the group that we're with, not meant to tear it apart or to alienate um, ourselves or others. And the more that we can do that at the right time the better um, that does build relationship quality. Hmm. So here might be a trick question, but let me ask you this. I have known people that don't really seem to have a sense of humor. Because <laughs> I'm, I mean, I don't know. I've been told I'm kind of a funny person. And if I'm with people and I'm pulling out some of my best lines and there is no response, it's, you know, it's hard. And so do you think everybody has a sense of humor? Oh, Julie, that is so loaded. I know you can't speak for the world at large, (laughs) but in your research, what have you found? 
I do. I, I do believe that everyone has a sense of humor. It just manifests differently. You know, I mean, there really are some folks who prefer kind of aggressive humor. I'm not necessarily one of those. But but I think we we might call someone oh, they don't have a sense of humor just when our humor is different. Mm-hmm. And, and so we just we I think we have to remember that everyone enjoys a different type of humor. So do you think humor can be used to deliver bad news? Oh, as or much should, as I, you, should you just use it in positive situations? Oh, um, I wouldn't hold to just positive. I think humor can actually help in times of conflict and crisis. Again, briefly, we have to make sure that our humor doesn't distract. And that's really the big key reason. As much as I love humor and believe in the power in the workplace, I, I am not a big advocate for using humor in the moment of delivering bad news. Just because it could not, we want to make sure that that message, again, it needs to be clear. And so the humor might make someone feel like this news isn't serious enough or that the employee isn't taking the bad news, the situation seriously. And that could turn around and bite us in the butt. Mm-hmm. So you definitely have to be careful in your approach if you're going to use humor in those situations. So. Uh, Absolutely. And I also think if you are, you know, and you're giving bad news to a boss that you have, you know, you've got already a good relationship quality with, you know, them, you know, with that sort of pre-existing relationship, you might could have some slip ups, you might both enjoy the humor. Why? You know, you've worked together and you understand that person. Yeah, they under times of conflict, Nancy will enjoy a laugh. And we'll get right back on it. But if you don't know the person, I would that would I would be even more cautious of mm-hmm. using humor while delivering bad news to to a strange crowd. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have any other closing thoughts you want to share with us today before we wrap up our time? My closing thoughts would really be don't just leave the managing for your boss. You know, I mean, we all I think have And we should be exercising our leadership potential. And so if we're talking about humor, we're talking about managing up, we're talking about communication, giving bad news, or even giving good news, all of those are interpersonal skills that we can practice. And so I encourage everyone to invest in that practice, because we know that over time, the better that we are managing up, it has positive impacts on our careers, the assignments that we get the amount of money that we make, the, the amount of time it takes to get promotions. And so I, I do think that these interpersonal skills, once you've mastered your job and your performance, focus on practicing your leadership so that you can propel your growth and have fun while doing it. Well, and I, I again, encourage everyone to go out and, and look at Dr. Scott's presentation from earlier this year, because I think it's, it's really, it has some very interesting information in it. If there, if people have further questions, or they want some resources on this type of information, do you have any, any good resources or tips for folks who might want to uh, look at some more things about this topic? We could perhaps put them in the show notes if you have some resources or things that pe- that might be helpful to folks. Yeah, I've got articles and things like that that I, are my go-tos, you know, and I would always volunteer. If someone's got something, a, a question that, that's not covered any of that, feel free to shoot me an email. I'm always happy to go back and forth and help folks. You know, that's my big thing. I help people get better. And uh, anytime I have the chance to do that makes me happy. 
Well, great. Well, we, we are very happy that you've been our guest on our podcast today. So thank you once again. It's been very informative. I feel like you have, we, we've only probably tapped the uh, tip of the iceberg. So I think you probably have a lot more interesting and helpful information to share. So we appreciate uh, what you've shared with us today, though. So thank you again so much for being here. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Julie. I enjoyed it very much. And that wraps another episode of Ermia Matters. You've been listening to Ermia Matters. You can find more information about Ermia at www.urmia.org. For more information about this episode, check out the show notes available to Ermia members in the Ermia Network Library.